0: Hi, and welcome back to Reclaiming Reality. My name is Ben, and today we are going to talk about why no one seems to be able to have conversations anymore. We're going to talk about polarization and how people have pushed apart from each other, the left versus the right, and so much more. There are a lot of questions. Questions like, how long will this quarantine drag out? Questions like, Ben, how long is your quarantine beard going to get? Questions like, are you wearing pants? Guys, there's a lot of questions. And not a lot of answers. The only way to really answer them is to tell stories. So I will start with one. And his name is Ron Burgundy. I hope you have seen the movie Anchorman. But if not, don't worry. I will sum up the scene that I want to talk to you about. Because as weird as it sounds, I think that this scene fairly accurately depicts the current position of the media and politics in America. So, Anchorman for those who haven't seen it. Ron Burgundy is a news anchor, and he gets into a ratings war with another news anchor who can pretty much be described as a tool. So they are going back and forth, and they have a competition. And their competition is who can get the best ratings. Whoever gets the best ratings gets to stay on the air, and whoever gets the worst has to get off the air. The only problem is the tool anchor has the prime time slot, and Ron Burgundy gets stuck with the 2 a.m. So he's despairing. He's like, "Man, well, we're host. Like there's nowhere to go from here. I guess we just accept our fate, put our tail between our legs." And he goes on and he goes, "All right, guys, what do we got?" And someone's like, "There's a car chase going on." He goes, "Sure, air that." And next thing you know, it cuts to all these different like bars and retirement homes and things and people are glued to their televisions because it's exciting. They're like, "Oh my gosh, what is going on?" And then they start like, "Hey, Ron, you're getting viewers." Like Start talking. And he starts talking about the car chase. And he's like, oh, this is what's going on. It's very important. And then more people start watching because it's so exciting. It's this big death-defying moment. And as funny as it is, guys, that really does describe our media. Because at first... The reason he didn't want to report that is cuz it's not really the news, right? It's this one isolated incident and it is really exciting, but what he was doing is more of YouTube. He he's more like, "Hey, you really want to click on this video cuz it's exciting." And he kind of tapped into that. And of course, he won the ratings war. Spoiler alert, it was amazing. Um but Ron kind of tapped into what media has become, what the news media has become. It has become all about revenue. The The goal of the news media used to be to bring you news, and that's what the beginning of that movie was showing, is, hey, who can bring the best news and captivate an audience? And now it has become, who can get the most clicks? Simple as that. You know when you go to Fox or CNN and you see all those ads on either side, or maybe you have an ad blocker, and they just say, please stop Blocking ads because we don't make money. So those ads are how they make money. And whenever you click on something, they make more money. Have you noticed clickbait titles? I hate, like, with, with everything in me, I hate clickbait titles. Like, when Prince Harry did this, you won't believe what Meghan Markle did. And it's just like, oh my gosh, just like, give an actual headline. It'll be like were President Trump's comments racist? (laughs) Or it'll say something more like, President Trump's potentially racist comments. And then you're like, oh, I have to see President Trump's potentially racist comments. Um, and, And you click because that's exciting. And the thing is, The fear receptors in our brain are more sensitive than the pleasure receptors. And what I mean by that is we are more receptive to negative emotion than to positive emotion. Like if you lose $5, the, the drama of what you feel is greater than if you find $5. Losing money is more negative than finding money. And the news media has tapped into that. So, news media... They get money per click, right? So now they realized drama gets more clicks and negative drama gets more clicks. So when you log on to the news, when you go in the morning and you're scrolling Fox, MSNBC, whatever you like, and you see a story, the story that says everything is great in the world doesn't grip you you are not like, oh my gosh, everything's great in the world. Everyone run. I better click and read the story. It's more like, oh no, yeah, everything's great in the world. Sweet. That's exactly what I was expecting. All right, let's go about life. But when a story's like, everything's bad, you're like, oh no, everything's bad. I better figure out why everything's bad. (laughs) And then of course, that is the story that you're going to click on. Because it's scary. Because it might negatively affect you. Therefore, you better read it. So now, our news media is actually incentivized to tell us more bad stuff. Here's some things that I bet you didn't know. Thing one. Back in 1990, there were 1.8 billion people living in abject poverty. Abject poverty is something along the lines of like less than $2 a day. It's, it's, it's not much anything, right? They were living on less than $2 a day and 1.8 billion people. Fast forward to, I think it was 2013 or 2015. And there were 0.8 billion people, 0.8, which means 1 billion people got lifted out of poverty. That should have made the headlines for forever, but that doesn't freak you out. And that doesn't make you, oh my gosh, people are living more. I better click. No, people dying are what makes you click, so the news media doesn't have much money to make from that story, even though it's an unbelievable success. What else? There are more overweight people than underweight people. That is also an unbelievable thing. There are now more people who have so much access to food that they get fat than people who are starving to death. Man, that's cool. Like, I don't know about you, I do, I do intermittent fasting, and that's where you don't eat for a certain amount of time. I feel like my ancestors would just be absolutely livid with me if they found out I did intermittent fasting because their goal was get enough food to eat, and my goal is like, I really need to watch them carbs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a completely different mindset because we have so much. We have an abundance of food. Everyone likes to complain about, like, the the chickens who grow up in these terrible coops but it's like at the same time that has saved so many millions of lives like it's not good but it's better than the alternative of not having chicken we also have massive rectangles in our pockets at all times i'm recording my podcast on a rectangle right now and those rectangles can legitimately tell us anything we want to know at any time they're absolute miracles we can pull a rectangle of glass and metal out of our pocket and be like hey who is the 14th president and it'll tell us it's amazing like if if you're having a disagreement over i don't know when um Germany fell in World War II, like the exact date, and you don't know. No longer do you have to actually talk to people. You can look at the magic rectangle, and it will tell you everything. (laughs) But these are not stories that get you to click. And and obviously, there's a bigger point I'm making. The bigger point I'm making is we live in a period of unbelievable prosperity, the likes of which have never been seen before on planet Earth, especially if you live in the West, but honestly everywhere, because the effects of the West have made it everywhere. And that's why so many people have been lifted out of poverty. And that's also why the right and the left have become polarized. Because the right media caters to right people, and it makes money by making them afraid of left people. And the people on the left and their media make money from making them afraid of the people on the right. So if you're on the right, they're going to make more money off them off of feeding you stories. Like the left is trying to destroy everything you love. And you're like, Oh no. And then the people on the left get stories like the people on the right are trying to destroy everything you love. And they're like, Oh no. And that's what polarization is, right? Two people just getting further and further and further and further apart. And that leads into a, an article um, that a buddy sent me recently. And this definitely isn't going to be a news platform. um, But I thought the article was so significant that it was worth discussing. The article is called it's time to face the facts. We cannot be united. This article is written by a gentleman named Matthew Walsh. He is a writer over at the conservative publication, the daily wire. Now, I'm no Matt Walsh fan. Um, I, I do know a little bit about him. Um, listened to his podcast a few times. Wasn't for me. He kind of just seems like a grump. I read one of his books. Um, definitely wouldn't call myself a fan of his. Although I don't, I certainly don't disagree with everything he says. Um, So when my buddy sent me this article, I expected to, you know, generally agree with it and then roll my eyes at him being a grump. Um, But I, I was actually very surprised. Because throughout the article, he's generally making the case that the right and the left are are speaking such drastically different languages that it's almost impossible for them to talk right now. And generally, I agree with that point. That's kind of what I've been saying is, guys, we disagree on the definition of what a baby is. We disagree on the definition of a man and a woman. We disagree um, on the morality of setting up a wall on our border, right? Like these are very very basic things that we've somehow managed to disagree on and it's it's hard for us to talk so i'm reading through the article and i mean eh i'm nodding along and then i get to the last few paragraphs and we're so shocking that i ended up making this video so let me read them to you um just so i don't want to preface it anymore right it is not hard to see why our debates are fruitless and our conversations go nowhere We are speaking different languages, both literally and metaphorically. We are a people divided by gaps that cannot be closed. There is no bridge that can connect the left to the right. The differences are too deep, too wide. For unity to occur, one side or the other must simply abandon almost everything they believe and profess and join the ranks of the other. That is not likely to happen anytime soon, so the divisions will remain, grow deeper, and we will be less united over time. I don't know where to go from here or how to fix it, or if it can be fixed at all. But I know that any path forward must begin with an honest assessment of the situation. This is my honest assessment for all it's worth. Man, that is rough. What's so rough about that is that he's a Christian. And that's the main reason I'm making this conversation, or making this video. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more. But I want to address what he's saying. Is there no path forward? Is there no bridge that can connect people on the left to the right? What can we do about this radical place in which we find ourselves? And I have a couple ideas on that. The first I think that's very practical is if we decrease our dependence on social media and the media in general. Guys, I I have 2000 Facebook friends. Not because I'm popular. I I moved all my life. My dad was in the military and I, I don't remember all these people. And I don't know if I need to be connecting with 2,000 people. I'm also on Twitter. And guys, I've seen people post things on Twitter that they would never say in person. Like the most vile, vitriolic, gross things. And you're just like, man, who even are you when you see some of this stuff? But I notice that when I sit down with people, I live in a pretty uh, liberal city. And I'm fairly conservative. And when I sit down and talk with people and we have a a conversation with no politics for a while, this has happened several times and we'll have a really pleasant conversation partially because I'm obnoxiously agreeable. I I'm a total people pleaser. I want people to be happy and we'll sit down and have a very pleasant conversation. And then, you know, maybe they'll say something about the latest political issue. And and I'll mention that I actually disagree. And guys, I'm not kidding. I've gotten looks like (laughs) it's always the same look. It's this like, incredulous yeah incredulous is the perfect word for it it's just this like wait what but you're not evil you don't seem like a racist bigot sexist homophobe phobe xenophobe transphobe all the phobes and you're not that and I'm like yeah I'm not that I'm just a person and I'm very reasonable and we can have a conversation about this and then we actually have a productive dialogue because I can look them in the eye and I can kind of show them that I'm not evil. And that's that's what a conversation is, right? Like that's why you say hi to people. That's why you shake hands. That's why you do all those sorts of things pre-COVID. You do all those sorts of things because you're kind of saying, hey, the social situation in which we operate, I also belong to that. And I'm capable of playing a game with you. The game of socialization, I can play it. And we have people on the right and the left have built up this, this view of each other that is so vile that when you meet a very pleasant person who is capable of playing that game it almost goes against what you assume because you're like wait a minute you're not supposed to be able to play this game with me that kind of violates some of my presuppositions of how this game works so i think more conversations like that are really good I've been having conversations with my friends about the Black Lives Matter stuff that's going. That's the big issue. I don't know when this podcast is getting released. That's the big issue going on right now. And I've been having really productive dialogues with people that I've seen post really nasty things online that I disagree with. And then we meet up and look each other in the eye and it's respectful. And there's an opportunity. I've had my mind changed all the time. Guys, that's part of the point of this, by the way. The three of us making this podcast, we're all in our mid-20s. We don't know everything. We're learning a lot, but that's part of the reason we find it so important to make these videos is because we we hope, we pray that we are some of the people that are honestly trying to solve these issues and to move forward and to learn and to learn that we're wrong and to have humility. We're trying to do those things. We're not perfect, but we're really really trying. So if we decrease our consumption and usage of of social media and media sites in general i think that really can improve things my my second is a bit of a hypothetical so let's let's imagine that there is something that could heal our country let's imagine that there is this magical thing floating out in no man's land right now that we could discover that would heal what is going on, heal the divides in our country. The reason I'm so upset about the Walsh article is that Walsh professes to be a Christian and verbatim, he writes, we are a people divided by gaps that cannot be closed. There is no bridge that can connect the left to the right. What a hopeless point of view. Guys, as you probably know, I'm a Christian. And the beauty of being a Christian is that you are playing a bigger game game, is that there is more to life than what is going on in your current social sphere. There's more to life than what is going on in your country, and that there is a bridge. And he bridged a way bigger gap already. He bridged the gap between God and man, and he can certainly bridge the gap between left and right ideologies in our country today. If you are a Christian, you have hope that he can come down and heal. If you are a Christian, you have hope beyond the country that even if he chooses not to do those things, life is okay and life Life is worth living and life is beautiful. If you are a Christian, you have hope. That's the thing. You have hope. Christians should not give up hope. I think you should be very, very wary of, (laughs) that sounded silly. I think you should be very careful about anyone who says that they are a Christian and yet doesn't have hope because to know God, to know Jesus is to have hope because he is archetypal hope. He is what hope is. And we have trusted in him. And we have hope in that hope. And that hope comes straight from him. Guys, knowing him is the greatest joy on the planet. So I do have hope for our culture. I do have hope for our country. I do have hope for my town and city and family. There is so much more that we are not accessing right now. There is so much much more to this conversation than you see. There is a surface level, which is getting talked about right now, but there's a deeper spiritual issue with our country that we need to start addressing. And the only way that's gonna make sense is with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate your time. I know it's valuable. We're Reclaiming Reality. My name is Ben. Please join us next time.